Trade Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. In episode 53, we have joining us Jennifer Wheeler. She's a senior program manager at NACFI, where we talk about her career at Walmart, how to adjust operations to accommodate new technologies. We discuss what excites her about the work with NACFI, her passion to be of service to the trucking industry, and NACFI's report on electric vans and step vans. She also encourages fleets to talk to each other about what they are doing in the area of electrification and how important it is for them to be part of the solution. Today we have joining me Jennifer Wheeler. Jennifer is a senior program manager with NACFI, the North American Council for Freight Efficiency. It's a real pleasure having you on today, Jennifer. Um, th thanks for joining us and doing this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. You know, I, um, I think I want to make you tell me about NACFI. Um, now, nah, we probably won't do a whole lot of that. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, I consider the whole team at NACFI, you know, dear friends. And, we, you know, we work closely together. So it's, it's fun having you, you join us today. And I think it's timely with some, some work we've been doing. Um, but before we dive into it, you know, this is about, um, you know, a podcast with Mike, with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. Um, and I'm having a ton of fun with it, but, um, do you remember when we first met and became friends, Jennifer, you want to take a stab at that? I do. Yeah. So it was at our first, um, uh, act expo that I had ever been to. So I want to say it was 2017, 2018. Um, and that's the, the first time that we met and I attended, uh, one of NACFI's workshops and, um, I remember sitting through a couple of fantastic uh, roundtable discussions. So it, that was that was my first kind of introduction to the group and and getting to meet you. And yeah, it's been been great ever since. And you were at Walmart at the time, I'm guessing. Yeah. What did you think about the workshop? I mean, what was uh, what do, what do you recall about that? And um, um, you know, maybe we can make a plug for future ones here. Just from start to finish, it was a lot of fantastic information um, from a wide variety of perspectives. So there was big fleets, small fleets. I believe there's a telematics provider that was there, some folks with new technologies. And so just having those conversations um, and, you know, explaining from, from my fleet perspective, you know, what some of the requirements that we were looking for and, and learning the growing pains some other fleets were having. Um, I really, you know, kind of carried that perspective with me really throughout the whole sustainable transportation and zero emission technologies um, that I, you know, I'm interested in today. Yeah, yes. Yeah, you know, a little bit of those workshops for me, you know, it's a little bit of, oh, I don't know, I mean, it's, maybe this is a, a bad term for it, but sort of a little bit of therapy. I mean, you can go in and, 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 and you know, be with others going through the same things um, and when you're deploying some of these technologies, even, even whether it's, you know, wide base tires instead of duels or something that seems simpler than, you know, we're going to get into electric trucks and hydrogen autonomy, maybe, you know, I mean, those are big things that, you know, require a lot of change, but change is change. And so, you know, in those workshops, I think it's good to sort of just rub elbows with others going through the same thing and, and learning from each other. It, it's easy to to find yourself kind of working in a silo sometimes when you're working in a, a very new area, um, you know, and we can just use electrification as an example. And so going to these workshops, to your point, is is just a, a great way to, to level set and thinking about uh, 
you know, strategies and development um, from a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, tell us about your career at Walmart. Um, um, what uh, what kind of different jobs did you have, and and uh, what, what maybe were a few things that you look back over and and uh, you know you, you put a real thumbprint on something, something you're really proud of um, at, at your time there in the sustainability part at Walmart. Yeah, so I was at Walmart for about 18 years, um, so I, I ran the gamut um, of roles. It started out as a, a part-time um, position. I, you know, I was looking for something uh, in central Missouri that was a little bit more um, in line with with my uh, degree in public relations. Started working at the local transportation office there in St. James, Missouri for Walmart. Um, decided that I really liked transportation. I am like, I liked um, the business side of it. I liked engaging with the drivers um, and, and it just kind of blossomed from there. So uh, spent several years on the operations side um, moved out to Utah, uh, was responsible for dispatch operations for the Western U.S., so pretty much Colorado West. Um, then started moving into more strategy and analytics, uh, working on delivery frequencies for the private fleet to deliver to the stores um, across multiple commodities. Um, and, and then how, you know, how we defined delivery schedules for these big events. So Black Friday annual event, um, lawn and garden, back to school, back to college. Uh, then I moved, um, eventually moved into sustainable transportation, which really brought me back into um, all, all things big trucks. And, uh, and I was responsible for kind of leading the effort. It was still in a lot of cases, um, in the early stages of electric vehicles, a lot of prototypes um, put together several different demonstrations, mostly focusing around yard trucks and then alternative fuels, renewable diesel, uh, a little bit of, of CNG and, and a whole lot of uh, emissions reporting. Yeah, wow, wow. Let me, if you don't mind, I want to dive into one particular thing. I think, I, I, you know, an area that I've never spent a lot of time in but is really crucial and really kind of what we're seeing today with e-commerce and other things, that whole analytics around operations and scheduling, it sounds like your, your West Coast, uh, your, you know, your West Coast time there. Walk, walk us through that. I mean, I mean, and I, maybe that goes back, you know, a decade or more and analytics certainly has improved and <laughs> how we look at it. But, um, you know, I've always been curious how, uh, you know, People like, you know, Frito-Lay, how do they handle Super Bowl Sunday or how do grocery chains handle uh, Thanksgiving weekend or all these sort of big events. Um, and, you know, there's probably with the pandemic and so forth, I'm sure there's been many of those weekends with with e-commerce and and all that kind of thing. But um, give us some insight uh, as to, you know, what are the dynamics of running a trucking fleet? with respect to the um, inconsistent demands on, on moving freight and, and how do fleets uh, figure that out? Give us some insight there if you don't mind, Jennifer. Yeah, so a lot of planning and a whole lot of communication. So, you know, at, at Walmart, there's about 5,000 stores across the US. 
and a, and a private fleet that's rapidly expanding. So generally, you know, the timeframes of when, you know, these heavy volume flows are going to start, but, you know, then you have to look even more ahead of that time frame to where, when do the orders need to be placed? Are they coming from overseas or are they domestic? I mean, there's a whole, literally there's a whole supply chain that you have to think about. Um, and, and then it's understanding what that volume is gonna look like and how that translates into truckload um, and the number of, of trucks that, that we're gonna anticipate needing. What percentage is going to be going to the private fleet? What percentage is going to be going to outside carriers? So there is a whole lot of moving parts. And it's, it, despite all the planning, um, it usually comes right down to the wire as far as what the volume is going to look like, when the flow is going to hit. So um, you fleets really have to be prepared and, and they have to be nimble. Um, to accommodate these different flows and the the stores as well. The the trucks deliver it, but then they have to to find room on the shelves to to stock it. And so it's it's very much a challenge. I think when I started in transportation 20 some odd years ago, uh, things were obviously a little bit different. Today it's very much just in time. Um, customers expect things when they want it, where they want it, how they want it. So those those can be um, pretty demanding uh, steps for a supply chain. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, 20 years ago, retail stores had, um, you know, inventory. They had a back. Yeah. I remember, I remember I used to ask, you know, well, do you have any of these in the back? Well, that's a stupid question now because there's literally no back. And then, of course, uh, you know, we also nowadays have, in some cases, no stores. There's no front, even. You know, we've got the the e-commerce, but you know, of course, the 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 challenges of those supply chains. I, I think the trucking industry is far too modest with respect to what we do here. It's really extraordinary that um, you know that we're able to get. I mean, that get the things that we want and need. I mean, the pandemic sh pandemic showed us some. Uh, empty shelves, but uh, you know they were they were filled again pretty quick, and and that really most cases probably wasn't trucking's challenge. It was more upstream uh, from from the uh, from from upstream from the trucking fleet. Um, you brought us something I'd also like to ask a question on, and that uh, and that is with respect to a carrier who who has both a private fleet and uses outside carriers, and I'm guessing mm -hmm. any 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 company that that has their own trucks and drivers, you know, and in, in no way are they able to satisfy all of their needs. They've always got some outside carriers, but um, from your experience, both at Walmart and other places, um, do that, that would have to be a pretty powerful thing to be able to understand how running trucks and drivers is all that operations when you go to contract freight and vice versa. Um, I got to believe the, uh, the carriers uh, when they're bidding with, um, uh, you know, shippers who have assets like trucks, I mean, it's probably a whole different relationship than with those shippers that do not have trucks and trailers and drivers. So uh, any, any thoughts you can share with, with me and the audience there? Yeah, I mean, it, it can be a, a rather complex uh, solution. You know, a lot of times it, um, it really comes down to, you know, what the, what the mileage looks like, what the rates look like, what the, you know, what's going to be the, the most cost-effective solution to get freight from point A to point B. 
who is going to be the most reliable, who, who can meet those, those level of service agreements most consistently. It's a very dynamic, it, it's something that is kind of constantly being evaluated. New carriers come on the scene and, and they want to bid on new lanes. And so it's, there, there are many, many departments that, that work on these solutions. Um, and it just, it makes it a really dynamic and interesting arena to, to be in. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an area too that I think is, re is really interesting. And then let's just kind of, you know, pivot into electric trucks because one of the things we've talked about with electric trucks is the more uh, dedicated, consistent and understood routes make, um, you know, more, more predictable routes is maybe the best term, you know, the early are for the early adopting electric trucks because we now need to put infrastructure in place and we need to understand route distances. And so, you know, that might be a bunch of private fleets who, you know, have fixed locations that they can move the, uh, the electric trucks uh, to and past. But, you know, as you, as you talk to fleets and as you were, were um, you know, and as you worked in one, uh, how, how did you look at adjusting your operations for some of these new technologies and, and maybe, Maybe electric trucks is a good place to to discuss that because um, you know these trucks are going to be different and and uh, you know you can't completely upset your operations obviously um, but you also might be able to you know morph them a little bit for the for the trucks. I mean, with respect to new technologies, how how do you how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, it it can be um, a pretty sizable mindset when you talk about procuring vehicles it's easy to fall into um, that discussion at a fleet level. Um, and, but when you look at these new technologies, in some cases, depending on what a, a fleet's you know, duty cycle is and use case and, and where they're located and operating out of, it might be actually looking at it at a lane level. So at a specific lane. And in some cases, it might fly in the face of an overarching strategy um, that they have if it's being hyper-optimized being able to, to pull back a little bit and say, hey, this location is a great location to test these electric vehicles. The distance from start to, to end point, and then if it's an out and back uh, scenario or return, re return to base scenario, um, makes a lot of sense. The range fits well within the range of the, the battery technology. You're not having, I, I always jokingly refer to it as dispatching gymnastics. So you don't have to go through a bunch of dispatching <laughs> gymnastics to, to test the vehicles in a, in a real world um, environment. And so it, you know, sometimes it's just getting really granular into the operations to understand where you can test these vehicles in real world situations. And then, you know, expanding pilots outward from there and, and really starting to, to integrate those findings at, at, you know, a very granular level into a, into a broader fleet strategy. Yeah. And, you know, that's where this, uh, you know, big data um, uh, analytics fits well here, because, you know, I might, I might suggest that 20 years ago, we couldn't deploy these electric trucks because of these range and weight and, and charging constraints. But now we know a lot more about the operations of the fleet because of the data we're collecting. And, and now we're, we're better able to, to adapt and use them. So, um, so let's like, so tell us about the transition to NACFI and what you're working on at NACFI and, 
And um, uh, you know, what's, uh, what's exciting about this work? Yeah, I think, you know, what makes me most excited um, about NAPFI, aside from, from working for a fantastic leader, um, is the level of industry engagement that NAPFI has, whether it's with other nonprofits or NGOs, with fleets, with academics. There's really a, a story to be told, the fact that NAPFI is, is fuel agnostic um, and, and we really do our research into these different technologies. You have the hype, you have the naysayers and the skeptics to really, you know, kind of hone in on that sweet spot and, and how these technologies can scale is something I'm very passionate about. And it makes me happy to be part of an organization where that's the mission. Um, it, it's a true service to the industry and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Yeah, and so yeah, thank you. And uh, you never—it's always good as a boss to hear somebody at least says something nice about you. <laughs> uh, but uh, so you recently led the work on um, a report and actually just put out on the use case of electric trucks in class three to six vans and step vans. So you know, I often I often call these little trucks. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that's a, that's right. But um, tell us about uh, one, what was it like working on that project? And, and just sort of what were some of the key high points of what uh, the team found? And, um, and, and what, what was most interesting to you, maybe? Yeah, I mean, for for most of my career, it, it's really been in the, the class eight heavy duty space. So for me, um, looking at vans and step vans, it it was really interesting. Um, the technology is is such a great fit today for the typical duty cycles and use cases for vans and step vans. The range requirements are great. There's not a, a super complex or burdensome charging and infrastructure you know solution that really has to be created uh, for these vehicles. And it's a huge part of the commercial vehicle space. I did not realize that there's 4.1, almost 4.2 million vans and step vans on the road today. And, and that's about half of the commercial vehicles out there in the U.S. and Canada. And, and to me that, you know, I mean, we see them um, driving through our neighborhoods and out and about um, in town, but, uh, you know, I never, I never realized the number was that huge. And big numbers when you talk about zero emission technologies and reducing emissions um, lead to other big numbers. And so electrifying the segment would avoid 43.5 million metric tons of, of CO2 a year. And that, that's a big number. And that's gonna have a big impact in local communities and urban areas. And, um, and it, it's, re, it's realistic today. It, it's not a, a pie in the sky goal, we, we can get there. With the and we have a we have a lot of manufacturers in this space. I I, yes. uh, I remember proofreading the report, and one of your uh, images was a collage of all these, uh, you know, traditional, you know, even like Freightliner custom chassis step vans to, you know, Ford GM types of delivery vans, but. Now, a whole number of, of companies, I guess the, the e-commerce explosion has people coming up with solutions. Um, as you looked at the, at the supply side of this, the, the trucks that are coming and so forth, what, what, uh, what struck you in, uh, in preparing this report? Yeah, I mean, the, the demand is there and the supply is coming. 
there's been a lot of a lot of big announcements. Amazon and FedEx and UPS and Walmart and you know a lot of these big companies are announcing transitions to elect, electric vans and step vans and placing big orders for uh, these vehicles. And then I saw yesterday on Twitter actually that our our local airport here in Northwest Arkansas is testing an electric van um, to to shuttle passengers and. To me, that was so exciting. There's probably an expectation for big companies to make these transitions happen as fast as possible and and making these big public announcements. But I was just as excited to see a local airport testing one electric (laughs) van. Yeah, yeah. It becomes real personal when we when we drive our first electric vehicle, when we see one in our you know, on our streets. Um, and, you know, it's like any big change. Uh, I got two two questions for you because we always seem to, to run out of time pretty quick. But, uh, you know, these are these are little trucks and medium trucks. Some of these battery packs are no bigger than a Tesla car. So, you know, those, um, you know, that that's going to be, you know, big challenges. Don't get me wrong, but that's one thing. But, um, you know, as you move, as we move up into, into weight classes and into bigger trucks. I mean, the, the challenges just seem to get like almost huge really quick into box trucks and into heavy trucks. So what are the, you know, in your mind, what are the, the, like the biggest things that, that we need to deal with, uh, you know, as a, as a whole ecosystem to, to make, um, you know, let's go all the way electric semi trucks go as far as they can, whether that's three, four, 500 miles on a day and a charge, you know, what's that going to take? Um, what are the top maybe three big challenges, Jennifer? I think it's first understanding the the duty cycles and and use cases, um, and and getting as many as we can on the road today. Um, but I also think there's an element of patience that that everyone needs to have. I mean, when we think about long haul heavy duty Class Eight trucks over the road charging, that that becomes pretty complex. There's there's weight requirements and limitations that we're going to have to work through as an industry. Being patient, being open-minded to different solutions and really thinking outside of the box are some some key things that for me make a lot of sense to, to moving this forward. I also think it's going to take fleets talking to each other to, to figure out how they can utilize um, maybe behind the fence charging it at their facilities to support other fleets that are working to electrify, um, maybe in lieu of, of public charging um, that, that's convenient and, and widespread across the region or, or even nationally. So um, definitely patience and out of the box thinking and, and continue to, to really let the, the technology mature um, and as much as possible, be part of the solution. Work with these OEMs that are developing the technology um, because fleets have such valuable input and insights into their operations and, and into how these vehicles work and run and, and what their drivers say and from a, a maintenance perspective and, and all that, that comes with that. So it's an, such an exciting space to, to be in and I truly am looking forward to the next 10 to 15 years to watch it, to continue to expand and, and grow. You know, every day there's uh, announcements about sort of real happenings 
in, uh, you know, in, in a lot of things. And, and there's days I wake up, Jennifer, and I go, oh, my goodness, our industry is not ready for this. We're not we can't you know, can we can we do all of this? Um, and of course, I, you know, I kind of just kick myself and say, of course we can. Let's get on with it. But but um, um, how do you view it? I mean, are, are we are we ready and capable or and, you know, and, and if not, what is it? What does it take? I would say we are most definitely ready and capable. Um, and I, I would liken that to when I was still at Walmart in 2005, Lee Scott kind of threw the gauntlet down um, and said that, that the fleet was gonna, gonna double efficiency in 10 years. And that was a ridiculous goal. I remember sitting, I was dispatching at the time and I remember sitting there thinking, there's no way, there is no way. And I, you know, I think everyone was kind of shocked by that, um, that it was such a stretch goal that it almost seemed impossible. But it it took ten years, but we got there. Um, you know, Walmart doubled the the efficiency of the fleet and kind of continued on with that focus on efficiency even after we we met the goal. And it wasn't just one solution. It was, are we being you know as efficient as possible with the way that we're dispatching? You know, are we utilizing the best technologies on the truck? From a progressive standpoint, um, what are new technologies that that perhaps we can invest in or help scale up that will further this doubling of fleet efficiency? So it wasn't just one solution that got us there. It was it was multiple solutions, and and that's how I think of the landscape today. I don't know that anyone has a a clear picture or can say this is what it's going to look like in 20 years, but I have every confidence in 20 years we'll be where we need to be because there is so much engagement and so much focus on this technology. So I'm, I'm excited. I think it's, it's just, I mean, I can't say enough. It's a great space to be in. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining me. It's great to have you on the NACTI team and, and thanks for sharing some, I think some really valuable insights today. Thanks for having me. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends.